<laughs> All right, before I get in trouble, you better turn to Mark chapter 10. Honor the grandparents and just pull the rug right out from underneath them, right? Mark chapter 10, verse 13. I want to talk about the faith of a child this morning. The faith of a child. As we figure it's kind of appropriate as we have our kids in here with us today. There's a, I heard a guy say one time, it always kind of stuck with me, if a church isn't crying, it's dying. Amen? You know, we, got all the, we got the kids in here this morning, and we'll hear some cooing and some laughing and some squalling and some bawling, and that's good. Amen? It tickles me to death. If, there, if I hear that going on, it means that we have kids in our church. I'd rather have a, a church that's crying and, and a little fussy than one that's all hoary heads, Right? And, and it's not growing. And, I, you know, it just blesses me. I look out and I see some, I see some tummies out there, right? Not the guys, but the, the late, some, some ladies. So I, see some, I see some pregnant ladies out there. And uh, what a blessing. I mean, I'm all about church growth, right? So have those babies, you know, and that's what life is all about. So uh, what a blessing it is. Let's talk about the faith of a child this morning. In Mark chapter 10, verse 13, I want you to picture this now. Jesus, obviously, every time Jesus would speak, he drew a crowd. Sometimes he would speak to his, you know, his disciples, the inner circle you know, that was the closest to him. Other times he would speak, and it would be to a multitude of people. But everywhere he went, when he would speak, people wanted to listen. Obviously, a lot of, sometimes people followed him because they thought, well, he can heal me, or he can do this for me, and he can do that for me. But many people followed him because they were, they were just mesmerized by what he taught. Okay? And so when Jesus opened his mouth, people listened. And so if you can imagine, if you will, Jesus gathered around a whole group of people. And verse 13 says, and they were bringing children to him that he might touch them. And the dis disciples rebuked them. But when Jesus saw it, he was indignant. He was mad and said to them, let the children come to me. Do not hinder them for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And he took them in his arms and blessed them, laying his hands on them. Can, we, can you bow with me and pray today? Father, this morning, you are a good, good father. We have declared it in our songs. We declare it in our hearts. And we declare it now, Lord, as we turn to the pages of your word, that you love each one of us. Every person that has a soul, from the youngest to the oldest today, we're all your children. And I pray, God, that we might see the gift that you have given us, the great responsibility to raise kids, to raise grandkids. Let us not take it lightly here this morning. But we know that we can't lead them the way that we need to lead them if we're not following you the way that we need to follow you. So this morning, I pray for your anointing today as a vessel, uh, as an instrument, a minister of your gospel, that you might speak today in a way that would penetrate the hearts, that you might speak in, today in a way that every person might understand exactly what you're saying to them individually, to all of us as a congregation. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Everybody shout amen. 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 I'm go We're going to bring these kids in here every week. I like that. We get those kids saying amen. Uh, so, so Jesus got a crowd around him. People are coming in. Some of their motives are selfish, what Jesus can do for me, and some just want to hear him talk. But I, I think about this now. Read between the lines. People who are there, and they have their children with them, and all they can think about is, I want to get my children to Jesus. Shouldn't that be the heart of every, of every parent? Shouldn't that be the heart of every grandparent? I just want to get my children 
to Jesus. You want to teach them to play football? That's good. You should. You need to teach them to do that stuff. You want to teach them how to manage their money? You should, by all means. Teach your children to manage their money. Teach your children to respect other people. Teach your children to, to respect, uh, respect authority. Teach your children to come to church and be involved in church. But above all things, make sure that you're getting your children to Jesus. Amen? They got these kids and they know who Jesus is. He's God in flesh. They have witnessed him do such great and mighty things. There's nothing that he can't do. I want to get my child to Jesus so that he can bless my kid. It's what every parent should want. And so as they're bringing these kids to Jesus, the disciples, all stiff-necked and stiff-collared and staunch like a lot of, forgive me for saying, church people do, get them, get them kids out of here, Right? Get them kids out of here. Don't bother Jesus with the kids. That's ultimately what the disciples were saying. Parents, we get, I just want to get my child up there for, so Jesus can just touch him. I want the touch of God on my child. Hallelujah. So getting through the crowd, bringing him up there, and then, then the kid, and there's no doubt they're, they're fussy. There's no doubt that they're, they're, they got snot running down their nose. Some of them got duty diapers. But they're wanting to get them to Jesus as they are, and the disciples, they don't bother Jesus with the kids. Push them away. Made Jesus mad. Said he was indignant. I mean, there's, there's like kind of frustrated, and then they're stinking mad. And that's where Jesus was at, I believe. He was very upset with the disciples for trying to keep the kids away from him. I love the last part of that verse, verse 16. He took them in his arms and blessed them, laying his hands on them. I picture it something like this. Uh, you know, Jesus may be sitting on a chair and he's speaking to people. I just see him gathering all these kids that were there and, and pulling them up on his lap and he's smiling and he's touching them, he's blessing them. His heart was just overflowing because of these little kids. He welcomed them in. Little ones, I want you to know this morning that Jesus loves you just as much as he loves me. He loves you and, and he wants to touch you just as much as he wants to touch your mom and dad and your grandparents. He wants to use you just like he wants to use us. Jesus made time for the kids. He didn't, he didn't have the, well, kids should be seen and not heard. Obviously, there's a time for, for kids to be respectful and be quiet, but, but Jesus ultimately, he wanted them in his circle. He wanted them in his arms. And he goes on to tell the disciples, and as he's scolding them, look, you let those kids come to me. Don't hinder them, for such belongs the kingdom of God. Now look at this, next verse. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. Unless we become like a kid and like a child in our faith, we'll never even make it to heaven. We'll talk about that here in just a second. But hang a left and go back to Matthew chapter number 18. Chapter number eight, Matthew chapter 18. I don't know if I said Matthew. Matthew chapter 18, verse 1. It says, at that time the disciples came to Jesus, saying, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And calling to him a child, he put him in the midst of them and said, truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. But whoever causes one of these little ones to, who believe in me to sin, look at this, it would be better for him to have a millstone fastened around his neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. Let me tell you what Jesus thinks of, of kids, how much he loves them and that his ears are open to their cry. And he said, look, 
First of all, whatever you do for one of these kids, I consider it a personal favor to me. And rightly so. I mean, if somebody does something nice for your child, don't you consider that a favor unto you? The kid is an extension of yourself. And so you like it when people honor your kids or bless your kids. And so God said, when you, whatever you do to one of these children, I consider it a personal favor. But if you, if you hurt one of my kids, if you hurt a child, if you're abusive to a child, if you don't take care of a child, God said, I consider that a slap in my face, right? Anybody that mistreats a kid, it would be better for them to have a millstone hung around their neck and to be cast into the sea. Do you know what a millstone is? I should have got a picture of a millstone pulled up there. We don't think about it much these days, but a millstone was just a big, huge stone that had been cut into a circle and had kind of, it was on a shaft. And, you know, the, the horse would go around in a circle. Sometimes maybe slaves would push it, but it would just go around in a circle. And this millstone would just, would just turn and they would throw the, the wheat, the grain, into this big trough. And as the millstone would go across it, it would, it would crush it down and, and turn it into flour. It was very, very heavy. Okay, very, very huge. Jesus, this is, man, this is Jesus' words, not mine. He said, you mess with one of my kids. By the time I'm done with you, you will wish that somebody had just taken a millstone, tied it around your neck, and threw you into the ocean. That would be a very unpleasant experience. Would anybody agree? God said, I- I'm not going to stand for people who are cruel to kids. Amen? I just take it personal. Then he goes on to say this in verse 10. See that you do not despise one of these little ones, for I tell you that in heaven their angels always see the face of my Father who is in heaven. Their angels always see the face of my Father who is in heaven. There's speculation as to what that means completely theologically. What I personally believe, you want to know what I believe? I believe that, I believe that God's got angels around his children. Amen? Maybe, maybe a personal angel assigned to every child. Their angels are forever beholding the face of God. I, I look at it something like this. An angel next to a little kid that's being abused, and that angel says to the father, hey, we need to do something about this doofus that's harming this child, Right? They have the heart of God. They have the eye of God on them. And we need to, what a blessing. The Bible, in Proverbs, the Bible says that, that uh, like arrows are in the hand of a warrior, so are the children, our children. If you imagine a warrior that, that goes uh, to battle, he wants to have those arrows. They are his protection. They are his, his weapon. And God says, that's the way our, our children are. But how many of you know that an arrow can only go in the direction of the person shooting it? An arrow can't get itself to where it needs to go. And if you point an arrow in the wrong direction, it's going to hit the wrong place. If the target is there, but I'm pointing my arrow there, there's no way it can get in its target. I've got to be pointing the arrow in the right direction. Those kids are the arrows, and God has entrusted us to be the bow. We, we set the direction for the way our children live and the way that they go. If we are pointing them to Jesus, if our number one priority in raising kids is to get them to Jesus, they're going to get to Jesus. If we're all concerned about how popular they are maybe or how rich they're going to be or we don't care about them at all and neglect them, it's amazing to me. The kids that are neglected, you know, in our society, and I, I'm so what a blessing for people who pick up the slack for the foster parents and, and parents and grandparents many times who are raising their children and they're, just, they're doing what needs to be done because we recognize that kids are only gonna go where we point them, amen? We wanna get them, we wanna get them to Jesus. Jesus said, bring them in. I wanna touch them. But here's the part, here's the, 
Here's the point of the message I really want to uh, belabor on here this morning. Is the comment that Jesus made, unless you receive the kingdom of heaven like one of these children, you won't enter into it. I mean, what is he saying? Ultimately, I mean, we, we look at these verses as quote-unquote kids' verses, you know. Oh, we, we see the pictures maybe in the Sunday school room of Jesus on the chair with the kids on the lap, and we, we think Jesus, Jesus said, let the kids come to me, and we look at those as cute little kid verses. But I want you to stop and think about how much, honestly, those verses should make us tremble. They should really make us stop and take notice when Jesus said, look, you can't even go to heaven unless you're like one of these kids. What does he mean? Unless you become like one of these children, You'll never even make it and enter into the kingdom of heaven. If our entrance into heaven, our eternal soul, all depends on whether or not we are being like children, then I think we should take notice of children and do a little better job of imitating them. You know, as parents and grandparents, we like it when our kids imitate us, but according to Christ, we should be imitating them. We should be looking at the children and learning from them because God said if you have to be that way, in order to go to heaven. So here's what I believe Jesus meant by that. I want us to look at the nature of children this morning. And you can see whether or not you've applied this to your own spiritual walk. First of all, children are forgiving. Amen? Children are forgiving. Little kids. They can hook a fight with one another, pull hair, bite, steal toys, slap, really hook one. By, by the end of the afternoon... They're playing again. I mean, I've got cousins, a lot of cousins, and cousins that I, I really enjoyed playing with, and we'd be together for a while. We'd have a good time, and every now and again, we'd hook a fight. Had one cousin. We got into a BB gun fight one time. That wasn't fun. A BB gun hurts when you get shot with one. Kids, don't ever shoot a BB gun at anybody, okay? So, and it was horrible, big, I mean, big blow up. But the next time we got together, we didn't talk about the fight. We were just, we picked up and we went on. Jesus said, if you want to get to heaven, you have to be like a child. You have to be forgiving. We adults, we, we get something, somebody does something to us or somebody says something to us crossways, and we remember it for months and weeks and sometimes years. It's so hard to forgive. Many times we, we hang on to this. And Jesus said, look, well, and Jesus was very clear when it came to forgiveness. He said, on, he said, if you don't forgive other people, I get it. We all, make our, we all make our case. Well, they this. You don't know how bad it was. I just can't bring myself. I know Jesus forgives me, but I'm not Jesus. And we, just, we make our case. But Jesus said, look, build your case. Say what you want. The bottom line is, if you don't forgive other people when they wrong you, I will not forgive your sins. Why take your bitterness to hell with you? I mean, it's just as blunt as that. I mean, honestly, children are forgiving Something happens and they just let it go and they move forward. And they, God said, That's, you're my child. I want you to be like that. I want you to be able to love people even when they persecute you. That's what Jesus taught. Love your enemies. Pray for those who despitefully use you and persecute you. In other words, love people and pray for people when they're mean to you on purpose. I mean, it's one thing for somebody to say a word and you think, well, what did they mean by that? But I mean, when somebody is just despiteful to you, you're telling me I've got to forgive them? No, I'm not telling you that. You can do what you want. Jesus said you've got to forgive them if you want to go to heaven. I'm saying the stakes are too high not to forgive them. Amen? Be like a kid, Jesus said. Children are trusting. Children are very trusting, to their parents especially. 
Maybe not in the teenage years, but we're talking little children, right? No. You know, your teenagers trust you too. They may smart off, but they trust you. But we're talking little kids here. Little kids are very trusting to their parents. Children, Children believe everything their parents tell them, no matter how crazy it sounds. So... We're going to put cookies on a plate next to the Christmas tree, right? And this big guy in a red suit and a, and a beard that travels all over the world in one night bringing toys and he flies in his reindeer and he's going to come down the chimney and he's going to bring you presents. He's going to eat the cookie and he's going to leave. And so we as dads, we, we bite the cookie and we do it all and we, and we tell the kids this and they, they sleep by the tree and they get up in the morning. How fu- I mean, that's just crazy, right? But the kids believe it. And for those of you that haven't told your kids yet that there's no Santa Claus, I'm sorry. I'd probably just, <laughs> I just opened the door for you. Yeah. Didn't think about that till just right now, but hey. <laughs> it, it, had, it had to happen. Sooner or later, bound to happen. Now, if you want my honest personal opinion, I think I just did you a favor. But... <laughs> Brady, I'm sorry you had to find out this way, bud. (laughs) Oh, boy. Well, there it is. We never went down that road, not because of any holy spiritual reason. I just didn't want some guy in a beard to get credit for the presents I bought my kids. I wanted the credit. Nothing wrong with that. But we tell them stuff like that. Easter bunny, tooth fairy, you, you lose a tooth, you put it under the pillow, and this fairy comes in and takes it. We, we tell them all kinds of stuff. And I did it again. I did it again. Yeah. Man, let's just, let's just blow it all wide open this morning. Why don't we do that? There's no Easter bunny, right? I mean. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, and... Uh, they're trusting. They're trusting. Let's move on. You get, you get the point. They're trusting. They believe what you tell them. Yeah, and I, the parents sitting here, the parent, all the parents sitting here going, Who, whose lame idea was it to bring the kids into the service this morning? There goes Christmas, right? They're trusting. Let's move, let's move on. Uh, they believe stuff. They believe what you tell them. No matter how crazy it sounds, they just trust you because you're their parents. And Jesus says, I want you to believe me like that. Think about that. I want you to trust me the way a child trusts its parents, no matter how crazy it might sound. God said, if I tell you to go march around a, march around a city once a day, it doesn't make any sense. That's crazy. It make any sense. I just want you to trust me like a kid would. Believe what I tell you. If I tell you to grab a slingshot and go fight a giant, I just want you to do it. If I, if I say, go, go build a building when you don't have all of the money yet, just, just trust me and go do it. It's amazing what God can do. God's a good, good father. Amen? He's a good, good father. And he's just looking for children that will just simply trust in what he said. You know what? Let me say this on this. This is a side note, but I don't know if I've ever made this announcement yet, but it's kind of cool, I guess, while I'm thinking about this. You know, when, when God called us to, to build this church, and, you know, it just didn't, all the you know, puzzle pieces weren't quite there yet, but we had a, we had a mission and a vision from God. And that's really all you need. Amen. And so we had a little 
building fund that we had been socking some money into. It wasn't much. I think it was to the tune of maybe 40000 or something like that. And we, we got a, a loan, but I didn't want to just borrow a ton of money. We, we got started in this. I'm, here, here's my point. When we started, there were things that we didn't exactly know how it was going to work out. We, hadn't, we couldn't factor in every single detail. But it was all said and done here a couple, about a month or so ago. I had mom go back and, and, do, and tally. I said, I want to know exactly what this building cost us. I know what we budgeted and I know an idea, but I want to know what the building cost. And so we tallied all up and this building, to get this building up here, it cost us right at $300,000. It was like two ninety dollars something like that. We borrowed 180, okay? We had 40 in cash. So you do the math. We ended up spending $110,000 cash on this building. We spent $110,000 cash on this building. I have no idea where it came from. I mean, that's just the true numbers. God said, I want you to go build the building, and I'll take care of things as it goes. It's crazy talk, really, in the big financial world. God said, I want you to trust me. When I tell you to do something, just trust me like a child would. I want you to, I, I want you to take on that foster child. I want you to go talk to that neighbor. I want you to take this job. I want you to, and God, he, he leads us sometimes. You, will, you and I will never figure God out, ever. Uh, to quote Brother Roy, I love Brother Roy's quote. He said, every time I think that, I, every time I thought I had God figured out, he jumped the fence right? We're never going to figure God out completely. He's, and, and he doesn't want us to. It would be nice if, if, if you know, we were born kind of with an instruction manual and we knew exactly how life was going to go. And God says, I don't want you to live that way. The just, the godly people, they don't, we don't walk by sight. We walk by what? By faith, which means God, God says, what I want to do, God says, I want to build a relationship with you, a trust relationship where you live every day, one day at a time right? Every day you're trusting me to, to meet your needs. You're trusting me to give you direction. You just trust me like a child would trust his father. Amen. Another thing about children, they rely on their parents completely for provision and for protection. They're, they fully rely on their parents. They don't, most kids, so a lot of kids do, I mean, I realize, but we're talking about kids who have parents and grandparents that, that, that take care of them, your, your kids don't wonder what they're going to eat. They don't wake up in the morning and think, oh no, am I going to be able to eat today? They don't think, most, kid, most of your kids don't think that way. You know why? Because they know you've got it covered. They rely on you. They're, they're confident that you're going to make sure there's food on the table when it comes time. When, when their belly starts growling, they know you're going to provide. They, they count on you. They rely on you for protection. Okay, if, if you're walking through a, a dark room in your house, as long as they got your hand, they're good, right? They're scared when they're by themselves, but if they got your hand, they're okay. They're trusting in you. Somebody, some glass breaks in the middle of the night and you know, somebody's breaking into your house, it's not your kid that goes running out there to see what's going on. He knows dad's got this, right? They rely on their parents fully, for protection and provision. And God said, I want you to be like that child. I want you to learn how to rely on me to protect you. I want you to learn to rely on me to provide for you. Do you know how many times I've heard uh, Christian people testify uh, times where 
Maybe they lost a job or maybe there was a sickness. I mean, for whatever case, it just, I mean, literally, maybe they didn't know where the next meal was going to come from. Maybe they didn't know how they were going to pay this bill, how they were going to do this, but they just literally took the situation and they put it in God's hands and somehow, some way, God came through for his child. How many of you ever can testify that God has done that for you in your life? He's a good father. He's faithful. God's, he said, look, I want you to trust me and rely on me. Know that I am going to provide for you. I'm going to meet your needs. The child of God never have need to fear. That's what Jesus, Jesus said. Look, everything, seek me first in my kingdom, and then all that stuff will be added unto you. I'll take care of the rest. Do you realize this morning that if you had $5 million dollars, cash money in the bank. That is not as good of a guarantee as the promise of God. That's not even close. I mean, we'd say, oh, I could rest easy, I'd do this, I'd, I wouldn't have a care in the world. But trusting in God, knowing that God has got your back is more reliable than $5 million cash money in the bank. I know that's hard for us to grab a hold of sometimes because we can't see it. The $5 million, I can see it. I can hold it in my hand. And sometimes we're walking by faith. And I realize it's not, sometimes the faith walk is difficult. I see. But God said, oh, man, if my, if my children ever got to a point where they trusted me like they would trust their money, I could really do some stuff in their life. Amen? This one may surprise you. This one may surprise you. But, I, but hear me out. Children respect discipline. Jesus said, I want you to be like children if you're going to make it to heaven. Children, respect discipline. You say, well, I don't know. Last time I spanked my kid, they didn't seem to respect that. They didn't seem to like that. They cried. Of course they cried. They're going to cry when you, when you spank their bottom. We know that there's a difference. And this is not a message on, on church discipline, but we know there's a difference in abusing a child and disciplining a child. Amen? If you don't know, that, if you don't know where that line is, then find it. But to discipline, whether it's by spanking or timeouts never worked for me. Uh, the only timeout I got was to think about how bad my bottom hurt from the spanking I got, right? So there's plenty of scripture for that. I can, if you want to argue with me, that's fine. We, you come see me afterwards. We'll talk about it. But discipline, in other words, making a child mind, right? Teaching a child to respect authority. Children respect discipline. They crave it. They want it. They really do. They have, they need it. And I know on the surface they're crying and they, they say they don't, but, but in reality, they want discipline. You take, you take a child, and I've heard many, many situations where people, you know, kids come out of, a, out of a situation where there was no discipline. They were just run amok. They just did what they want. And, you know, literally were treated maybe like animals. And they come out of a situation like that where there's no discipline at all. And they come into a controlled environment where there now is discipline. There, there's rules, there's boundaries, and there's consequences if you break the rules. There should always be consequences if you break the rules. Is that true? That's God's idea, not mine. So when they're brought into an environment where there's discipline and consequences if you break the rules, and it's, it may be a rough for, for, for a while, but eventually that child will, absolute, will actually respect the person who disciplines them more than the one that wouldn't. That's a true story. They'll respect the one that disciplines them that if they're disciplined in love, amen? 
if they're disciplined in love. And that's, that's ultimately what real discipline is, is we're teaching our children to do what is right. Anything else, in fact, the Bible goes, on, goes as far as to say that if you don't discipline your child, you hate them. King James, that's literally word for word uh, quote there. Um, that we recognize that I'm pointing them in a direction. And discipline, in other words, setting the boundaries, setting the rules, and saying this is, this is how you gotta act, this is how you gotta be, and if you break the rules, here's what's gonna happen. That's God's design, and that molds and it shapes individuals, amen? Without that, it's loosey-goosey. Without that, it's anything goes. There's, there's got to be that, that solid. So they respect the discipline. And one day, they'll appreciate it. Amen? One day, they'll appreciate it and be glad that there was that standard set. Hey, don't ever be afraid. Moms, dads, grandparents, don't ever be afraid to set boundaries. Amen? To set the discipline and stick, and stick to it. But God says, I want you to be I want you to be like a child. And we too, as adults, need to respect the discipline of our heavenly father. Amen? That many times, God has to discipline us. I mean, we're not any better than our kids, let's face it. If you ever get mad at your, if you'll be honest with yourself, you get upset with your child for doing something that you told them not to do, if you'll be honest with yourself, you'll hear God speaking, "Uh uh-huh. How many times have you done something that you knew God didn't want you to do? So God says, just like, just like children, you should discipline your kids. God said, I, I love you too. I'm going to discipline you as well. And so how we respond to the discipline of God determines on whether or not it's going to do us any good or not. The, 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 the Bible goes on to say something like this, that who the Father loves, who the Heavenly Father loves, he rebukes and chastens, chastises. In other words, he many times has to discipline us because we're, we're, we have a sin nature that takes us so many different directions and causes us to do so many wrong things. And God said, I discipline you not because I'm mad at you, but because I want to shape you. That's what discipline's all about, right? Discipline is about shaping behavior. And we're going to have some sort of behavior. And discipline shapes it. It's saying, here's, here's the rules. And so God says, here's... here's that's what the commandments are all about. The commandments weren't about religious rules that, so God said, if you break it, that way I get, nobody wants to spank their kid. Nobody wants to discipline their kid. We, we do it out of necessity at times, not out of, not out of desire. And God says, I don't, I don't want to discipline you. I want you just to do what I, I asked you to do and, and I'll reward you accordingly. But it's about shaping you and making you into the individual that I created you to be. Children are teachable, Amen. Children are teachable. They are like sponges. I've noticed, it's like, it's like, I don't know if you've noticed this or not, but like when you, when you hit 40, there's like a, a switch that flips or something, right? I mean, you know, it's like you, you, you feel different, you hurt a little bit more. And I, and I know for those of you that are 15, 16, 70, you're like, wah, wah. I get it, I get it. But it's like there's a there's this flipping switches, but you know you don't you don't remember stuff quite as well as you did when you were eight or seven. I mean these kids are like tape recorders. They 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 listen. They're God created them teachable. Think about this: when your child is born, whatever that kid knows, when when, when it's four years old, whatever it knows by the time it's four years old, pretty much for the most part, you taught it. I mean. And then, you know, other people begin to contribute, but it's, it's a learning process, but they are teachable. 
You can teach kids to do things. I think we underestimate how teachable they are. I think a lot of times, whether it comes to the things of God or whether it just comes to the things of the world, I mean, they crave learning. God created them that way. They're in a place where they learn. And so as children are teachable and they can learn to do new things, God said, I want my children, my children to be teachable. You know, there's people that's been saved and been sitting in a church pew for, you know, maybe 50 years and you can't teach them a thing. We've, we've, we've quit being teachable. God says, I want life and, and, and ministry and church, should, should, it's a continually teachable moment in which we uh, should be open to learning new things. If you read the book of Proverbs, you know what one of the, the main themes of Proverbs is basically anybody who refuses to be taught is a fool. Anybody who refuses to be taught is a fool. And, and it goes on to say this, that basically a wise man continues, it continues learning. A wise man, very smart and wise, and he knows so much, but he knows he don't know it all. So he, he continues to be taught. How long have you served the Lord? Okay, and that's, that's, that's the question I said. It's different for everybody. How long have you served the Lord? Okay, has it been a year? Has it been two weeks? Has it been 10 years? How long have you served the Lord? Are you still learning? Are you still teachable? You take, you take a coach that gets a kid. If he has to choose between a kid that's got uh, talent and a kid who is open and, and teachable, which one do you think they're going to pick most of the time? They're going to pick the one that's teachable. You take this, cause, okay, this kid's got talent, but I can't, I can't tell him a thing. So there's only so much the coach can do. But you take a kid that's got a little bit of talent and he's teachable, he soaks in the words of his coach. The coach says, do it this way, and he, guess what? He just does it that way? The coach would say, that kind of that kid I can do something with. God don't call the talented people that have their acts together. God don't call the people that are closed-minded and just want to do it their way. God calls people who know nothing. That's why I'm the pastor, right? God calls people who are just shapeable and teachable. God said, I want you to be like a child in that I can teach you to do new things. Children, along those lines, children grow, right? Children grow and they mature. At least they should. So you get a little bitty kid, and, and just as there's a natural process of growth where it just kind of grows. And if, if, there's, if it's not growing, then you get concerned, right? Because growth is a natural part of life. So if they're not growing, you think, well, there's something wrong. So it, it's just natural that children would grow. And as they grow physically, they mature mentally. They get to where they understand what they couldn't understand even a year ago. There's a maturity process that's taking place that takes kids from kids to adults. If, if, I mean, sometimes, sometimes people grow, but they never mature, right? Grow physically, but never come to a, an adult knowledge where, they just, where life's not all about them. Sometimes we can be a full-grown adult and act like a kid, thinking that you know, if we don't get our way, life's got to be our way. But part of being a child of God is that we're, we're growing in our knowledge of the Lord, we're growing in our faith. We're learning to trust God more, and we're maturing spiritually. The, the church of Christ, and I'm, this church, this applies, but I'm talking about the church world as a whole, every Christian. What the church needs today, as, as much as it needs anything else, is, is a maturing, amen? The, the church needs to come to a, a mature understanding of who God is, what God's wanting to do, what church is really all about, 
You know, it's not about the, you know, the building and me getting my way in this program or this or that or something or about the color of the, you know, the, the Kleenexes. I heard about a church one time that, I heard this was told for true. I don't know if it is, but I heard it, it was told to me the true, that a church had a division, had a, a, a problem. They were, they were fighting over uh, what color tissues to put on the altar. Some wanted pink, some wanted white. They called it the issue of the tissue. I don't know. That's, that's what it's told to me for true. But I mean, how, how silly, how silly, you know, that within the body of Christ, the children of God, those of us who possess the spirit of God within us, and, and we, we don't, we've never matured to the point we're still arguing about stuff like that. No, no, no. God said, I want you to mature and to grow in your faith where you learn to put yourself aside, put others forward, put God first, and we mature in our faith and we, see, we, we come to a greater understanding. And then you know what our responsibility is once we have come to a maturity? to teach somebody else. I mean, what a blessing it is to teach your kids something or any kids something. And you begin to say, one thing, one of the things I loved, I used to coach my kids' teams all the time. Uh, basketball, football, baseball, I used to coach them all the time. And every now and again, still to this day, I go and I watch them play in high school baseball or f- football or whatever. And, and I'll see one of them, maybe in basketball, I'll see one of them do a layup. And I remember, I remember when I, when I coached them in basketball, I remember them having a hard time learning how to do a layup getting their feet right, and they get discouraged. But I, I, and I see them do a layup in high school, and I, and I taught them to do that. It's such a, what a great feeling. That's why God gives us knowledge, and that's why we're able to mature so we can take what we know and pour it into those who don't. I mean, if Jesus is gonna take time to invest in children, we should take time to invest in children. And not just throwing money at them. Taking the time, man, take, guys, take time with your kids. Take time with your kids. I know, I'm not, I mean, my, my kids are grown, and they've turned out fairly well. Turned out really well. I'm proud of my kids. But there's one thing I decided when my kids were little, that when they got grown, I wasn't going to say, I wish I'd have spent more time with them, or I wish I would have this. I'm going to make sure I, I invest. I want, I want that time with my kids. I want, I'm just giving to you some fatherly advice. Maybe some of you, the younger ones that have, have younger kids, let me just give you a little fatherly advice. Let, let your home be a comfortable place for your kids and their friends. Amen? Your kids are going to have friends, and you want your home to be a place where kids can come and feel comfortable and feel at home and be in an environment. You don't know where a lot of kids God may be calling you to be a positive influence on kids who don't have a positive influence. Sometimes we are called to be a father to the fatherless, right? To step up and fill a role maybe that their own parent or grandparent isn't filling. Take what you know. Part of maturity is taking what you know and and investing it and sowing it into somebody else. And then it's fulfilling for you and it's fulfilling for them. This is the one. I'll, I'll end with this one. Goodness gracious, have I been up here that long? Some of you are like, yeah, you have, <laughs> right? <laughs> Come on, Dennis, let's wrap it up. Yeah, yeah. Some of you are still mad. You never heard a word I said after the Santa Claus bit. You're just, you're so mad at me right now. You're so disgusted with me. <laughs> Children crave love. They crave it. They need it. Not only to get it, but to give it. Kid, children. 
It's it's amazing thing that God inserted that. And I, I know sometimes you, you can look at, a, at a, an adult maybe that throughout life they've just gotten hard-hearted and it seems like they don't love anybody and maybe nobody loves them for whatever reason. But you, you take it all back. Go back to a kid. Look at a kid and it craves love. It, it wants to be loved. It needs to be loved and it wants to give it back. What a blessing it is when your kids or your grandkids come and they they crawl up in your lap and of their own free will, they they give you a hug or they say, Daddy, I love you or Grandpa, I love you or Grandma. They they give that love. They talk about that free will that Melissa was talking about and they, they express that love to you. That does something to you. That fulfills you. And God said, I want you to be like a kid. I want you to be like that. In that we we come to God sometimes just like we did in worship today, not to ask him for a bunch of stuff, not, not to blame him when everything in our life is going wrong, but just to come to God and give him love. It satisfies the heart of God. We're all geared and wired towards God satisfying us, but God said, I want you to satisfy me. I want you as a child to give your love to me willingly and freely. That's why God gave us a free will. That's why we're not serving God like a bunch of robots. That's why he doesn't force us. God said, I long for that love given to me of my own free will, just like you long for it from your kids. Children crave love to give it and to receive it. You know, it would, you would think that nobody would reject love, especially the love of God. But do you know why people aren't saved today? Anybody in this room today, the reason why you're not saved, ultimately, is because you're rejecting God's love. Doesn't mean you're a bad person. It means that God is wanting to give you his love like a father wants to give love to his child. He says, oh, I love you and I want to give you my love, meaning I want to forgive you of your sins. I want to come and Jesus said, I want to take up my abode in you. Meaning I want to literally, we talk about Jesus living in our heart. This is what he means. I want to come and and be in you. God is not just with us. Through his spirit, he comes and he lives within us. And God said, I want to love you. And we reject Jesus for whatever reason. And ultimately we're saying, no, I, I don't want that love. Now I want you to take care of me and I want you to give me this. And I want you to, and I want you to, and I want you to. And I'm going to blame you and get mad at you when you don't but I don't really want your love, man. Don't, don't leave God's love on the table this morning. Jesus said, if you want to make it to heaven, you have to be like a child. You have to have this kind of a childlike faith. Accept my love. Return that love back to me. Trust me. Watch your kids for a little while. Watch them. Listen to God speak to you. Some of the greatest, loudest messages that God has spoken to me. I'm not talking about sermons. I'm talking about like God going, hey, Dennis, he's done through my kids. Amen. Watching my interaction with them. Praise God. Bow with me this morning. Ladies, come on to the piano. Hallelujah.